Hey guys, Walter Fetchick here to tell you that Unicorn.com may be the world's premier esports betting site, but they're also your best bet for keeping up with all the esports you love. With their site's newest update, they've reinvented their Live Now system and created a TV guide style layout to find out when your favorite teams will be playing next. And if that isn't simple enough, they've even added a search bar to help filter it down even further. And you know, even if you aren't a gambling fan, Unicorn's newest update is a must-have for any esports fan. And you might even discover your favorite new writer in their news section. We've got my man Drowling with some excellent CSGO content, and you can find some fantastic articles from my lovely co-host, Chase Wassner, as well. So check out the new layout at Unicorn.com, because there are a few places where you can stay up to date on all your favorite esports, and Unicorn can help. Unicorn.com. Welcome to the new e-sportsbook. Welcome, Internet, to a very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. Usually, when we do podcasts, we're talking about individual games in individual regions with their individual lines, breaking down individual matchups. But that is not what brings us here today. No, today is when we preview a tournament that will fight for the hearts and minds of the Western world, a tournament that will settle once and for all the eternal battle of EU versus NA. Now, I am here to represent the European region, a region that is filled with success and history and dominance, supremacy, one might say, over the Western world. This is a team with iconic playoff runs, iconic world championship runs, a world championship winner under our region, and a team that will be at this event still to this day a dominant force within the League of Legends scenes. And European supremacy, I will argue to you now, will once again prove itself on an international stage as we send our best and brightest to take on those who believe they are playing a game of League of Legends and not just a chaotic mess in which a nexus falls down at some point. Our enlightened macro play is sure to save the day in our favor and I look forward to proving those points as we talk about the three illustrious franchises that Europe has decided to grace uh, their presence at this tournament. But of course, I am not the only one here today. There are arguments, as, as weak as they may be, there are arguments from our brethren in North America and representing those patriotic fools for what they are is my co-host, Walter Cietis Fedchuk. Walter, the floor is yours. You may make your opening statement. Listen, I, I have very few uh, arguments that I have to be made, in, in all honesty. If Europe truly was the best and brightest, why did two of their best and brightest mid laners come to North America? Why is there such a demand in North America for bringing over these poor European souls that can't be, can't be you know, given a living wage? They have to come over to the prosperity that is America, because when we're talking about North America, we're not talking about Canada. We're, we're really not. That's, that's the hat. That's, the, that's just, you know, the, the final accoutrement that makes the North American content the best. No, the real meat and potatoes is down here in the good old 
U.S. of A. That's where Riot is located. That's where their headquarters is located. That is where the League of Legends world is centered around, quite literally, where their president, CEO, CFO, and all these important people meet on a day-to-day basis. This is where everything started. This is where two of the first three world championships were held and where some of the best events in League of Legends history, IPL4, IPL5, MLG Arena when Azubu Blaze burst onto the scene. Not an American team, I will concede that, but still on American soil is where League of Legends, this is where the story begins. It was the very, very, very first League of Legends International Tournament, WCG 2010, that was won by an American squad. So when Europeans say, oh, we have the first League of Legends World Championship, no, you don't. You really don't. And as for oh, our team has been around forever, our team, this team that's coming into, into Rift Rivals is a world champion. They've been around since season one. We have players that have been around just as long. We have some of the longest tenured international rosters in the world, some of the most experienced players. Sure, you have that ugly Frenchman Soaz, but he didn't win that first championship. He lost. He was a member of the losing side. As for Europe as a whole, listen, whenever Europe has any issues, it's always up to the United States to come on over there. World War I, guess who left that with the world championship belt? It was the good old US of A, baby. It pulled us out of this, like, this rut where it was the end of kind of exceptionalism in the U.S. It was the end of Manifest Destiny, and all of a sudden Europe has all these problems, and we're like, oh, we don't want to get involved. You guys just take care of it. You take care of it. And the second an American gets hurt, the gloves are off, the American war machine rolls on, and we sweep across the European continent, put everything back in its rightful place, and say, all right, folks, we're good. We're going back across the pond. And when the Great Depression hit the United States, it affected the entire world. The collapse of the United States economy affected all of Europe. They bowed before our terrible economic plight. And just again, like in World War I, when war was ravaging across all of Europe, that attack on Pearl Harbor on December the 7th, that was the wake-up call that America got, and that was when America once again kicked that war machine back into action, pulled us out of the Depression, pulled us up by our bootstraps and beat some ass. That was our repeat. That was our second time world championship belt. And even in the Cold War against Russia, not really part of Europe, but for this analogy, they are. They damn well are part of Europe. Again, we came out on top. Three times the charm. Three times. So I'm going to end with you uh, on this note. Today is the 4th of July, and, you know, League of Legends fans... That term should, uh, should have new meaning for all of us today because we can't be consumed by our, by our petty differences anymore. You know, we need to be united in our common interests. You know, and, and perhaps it is fate that today is the 4th of July and, you know, you will once again be fighting for freedom, not for tyranny or oppression or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to, to basically to exist. And, you know... Should we win this week? You know, the 4th of July will will not just be known as an American holiday, but as the day where the world all declared in one voice that we are not going to go quietly into that night, and we're not going to vanish without a fight. 
We are going to live on, and we are going to survive, and we are going to kick those goddamn Koreans' asses at Worlds. And the only, only region that has the strength, the vigor, and the wherewithal to do that is the goddamn North American region. And we start this week by dismantling those pesky, preppy prima donnas that live over in Europe. Because when the fight gets tough, America puts some boots to asses. I should not have expected anything less from a a full-blood American than to believe that you are the center of all of this. As hang on, much hang as on one second. I, I, need to, I need to just change something here real quick for the viewers at home. There we go. And, and Chase, I, I have a little surprise for you too. You can have your, your good old you know, European flag as well. Yes, as it, as it should be. And as I'm sure we will see that flag waving much more often because after victories, they do not show the flags of the losers. And while your ego may have gotten you this far... I believe it is time for the Europeans to prove once and for all why we do not need big words to back up our actions. We act, we move forth, we make our decisions, and we wait as North Americans whose ego is bigger than their eyes can contain ends up being their downfall. But I don't have to worry about proving that because the first team I'm going to talk about today is going to do that for me. G2 Esports, a three-time defending champion of the European scene. The team that finished second among all regions at mid-season Invitational just a few months, just not even a few months ago, just two months ago. A tournament that might we remember, the North Americans could not escape the group stage, needed seven games to get a majority lead over the Gigabyte Marines. Once again, Vietnam proving to be America's downfall. But I do not need to hype up the kings of Europe, the team that exudes this grace, this poise uh, among all other teams. They have been able to form a super team that no one in North America can match. They have Sven and Mithy in the bot lane. Sven being one of the greatest AD carries to ever play in the Western scene, undoubtedly so. Someone that can pull out any pick at any moment. And lest we forget, we have now seen G2 play, but we have not seen his Callista yet in a meta in which Callista is starting to be a thing. That is a weapon that they are going to use and exploit and destroy a North American macro that does not have the same control over Baron's and dragons like us Europeans do, because we know how to use those kinds of objectives. But G2, with Mithy as a hard-engaged support, with Perks playing some of the best League of Legends of his career, and let us not forget that Expect has become such a monumental piece of what makes this team great. A man who understands that a rumble ult is something that you're supposed to target in a team fight, unlike North Americans who throw it willy-nilly and hope that the enemy happens to run into it. Yes, G2 are a team with a brilliant coach in Youngbuck, with a brilliant mind in the jungle from Trick, and someone who I believe, while he may have had some issues in recent weeks, 
and the European scene. I do not believe there is a single jungler in North America who is intelligent enough to exploit the weaknesses that have come through. Because I'm telling you right now, if TSM or Cloud9 or the Phoenix One want to ban three junglers and attack them the way the Unicorns of Love did, if you believe that Spence Garen and contracts are going to hold up to that, I have a bridge I'd love to sell you. This is a team that is poised to remake their claim, that is hungry to prove themselves after what has been a lackluster opening for their own standards, their standards being so high that anything other than perfection is seen as a criticism, as a downfall of this team. And I believe that this team, whilst being the weakest of the European teams at this tournament, is still better than anything North America has to offer. You know, I would love to see you put your money where your mouth is on Trick, and I thought it was kind of amusing that he was the last person that you mentioned. You mentioned uh, G2's coach, Young Buck. When you said Brilliant Mind, I honestly thought you were going to bring up Mind Games Weldon, and it was about to make me sick to my stomach. But it should bring pause that Trick, a two-time EU LCS MVP, the cog that really ran this machine for all three of their championship runs, is the last person that you bring up. And some would say, well, Walter... Come on, this makes him this, this makes him a super threat. If, if that's the last person he's bringing up, and he's that good. The problem is he has not been that good, good sir. And you and I have watched a lot, a lot of LCS action. And I don't think either of us would say that Trick has any, any spot where we think that he could compete on an international level. You can bring up the, oh, yeah, but the North American junglers are so weak. The North American junglers are so weak. All three of them have had an uptick in their play in the last two weeks, including a rookie in North America is currently playing better than Trick. In their last game, uh, coming into Rift Rivals, GT didn't look all that great. Sure, they get the victory, but at the end of the day, it wasn't an easy stop victory against one of the two worst teams in the European LCS. It was hard. It was a struggle. They are limping into Rift Rivals, and we're talking about an international tournament where G2's, like, you know, not been great internationally, typically. They're, like, what, one for four of having a good performance in an international tournament? They don't have the type of... of depth to their strategy they're stuck in their ways of what they want to do and i just think that north america plays at a more aggressive pace a more aggressive play style and this really drawn out let's just sit back for 35 minutes let's get to the late game let's get to where it's just repetition and repetition i don't think that you can play that style against some of the more aggressiveness that has been shown by these north american teams there is a reason that g2 should be last and I think it's fitting that I bring up the rookie jungler, Mike Young of Phoenix One, because they are the first team that I'm going to bring up here. Now, started the season very, very poorly, but whereas G2 has kind of been in this mucky, stagnant, oh, sometimes they're kind of good, sometimes they're kind of bad, sometimes they're kind of good, Phoenix One has shown some steady improvement across the board, and that is because they have nothing to lose and everything to gain. This is a team that started out absolutely horrendously. They got rid of that, that young, talented jungler that they thought. They had two junglers, including the experienced Medios, and they go to the rookie, and the rookie immediately has a sense of fire to him. It's the lifeblood that has been reigniting this Phoenix's fire. 
And in all honesty, we have seen uh, Arrow has started playing better with the addition of a uh, of a veteran, experienced, internationally experienced support in Expecial. That lane seems to be working better than the original lane uh, with, with Stunt. We do see uh, Ryu is starting to come into his own and is starting to figure things out. And let's not forget, Ryu did play in Europe. He has played against Perks. He has played against some of these European mid laners. He kind of knows the solo queue. He kind of knows the style. And I think he can bring something to the table that'll help kind of neutralize some of these strong European mid laners. They are much more willing to experiment with some picks, especially in their solo lanes. I think that Zig, while he is sort of up and down at times, he is willing to play carries, and when he is given a chance to shine, he can shine. And I do think that the top laners from Europe are exploitable. I don't think they're weak. I will never say an opponent is weak, but I do think they're exploitable, and that Zig, at his best, can very easily match up with these two guys but at the end of the day nothing to lose everything to gain it is the american motto of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps figuring things out and busting your butt to be successful and that is what phoenix one has done the last two weeks and that is why they are soaring high as they're coming into rift rivals you know i i think i i will say i i do appreciate that phoenix one have been able to improve i i think it says so much about North America that a 17-year-old can come in on day one and wreck the majority of your players because they have so little going for them that one guy coming in from the ladder, having not really practiced according to his own statement of what his schedule has been like, can come in and completely reshape your league. It, it's very cute. It's something that I'm sure Europeans miss now that we actually have you know, well-established systems that develop players in a really fleshed out minor league of, you know, each of these regional leagues where players can actually develop over time. You know, we, we know our players are good when they reach the LCS stage. So it's something that, you know, it, it's nice to see that North America could still, you know, have these, these new people come in and, and surprise people. I, I really liked your, your point on Ziggs, him, him being a carry, because, you know, when I think about carries, I think of a 2.4 KDA and 58% kill participation. I think that is something we all agree carries can do, right? That's that's what you're looking for in, in a guy like that, someone who face checks brushes the same way that a frat boy drinks a natty ice going after a big party. You know, that's, I mean, good for him. I'm glad he enjoys it. But, you know, I, I think that we need a team. If we're going to talk about aggressive teams, teams that play with nothing to lose, and know how to turn that to their style. Welcome to the unicorns of love. It's time for North America to accept the rainbow into their hearts and embrace a team that has so much going their way that it is impossible for any North American team to match the creativity that this team has. Xerxes has single-handedly changed the world meta. Koreans are now playing Warwick because he taught the world how it worked, how it could be used effectively, how to eviscerate opponents with it. And he's about to do the same for Hecarim. His Hecarim is godlike. He comes forth and destroys any isolated carry. Though I'm sure, you know, people like TSM don't have to worry about, say, double lift split pushing without enough vision to keep himself safe from an enemy jungler like that. I'm sure 
that's not something we've seen happen a thousand times before, right? I mean, this is a, a player who understands the map, a, a player who has had his nice rookie introduction like Mike Young did and then perfected it over the course of the split. And that's just one guy. I'm not even talking about Vizichachi, the MVP of last split, one of the most dominant top laning presences that Europe has ever seen, an aggressive laner who will get up in your face with no remorse, with no hesitation, and will destroy what comes in his path. A mid laner in exile who is a team fighting god among men, someone who can scale up and destroy anyone who thought they had an advantage for just one minute. That little moment that North Americans will have of, oh, maybe we can make a play here. Maybe this European player cannot punish us in this way that we have had to deal with in all of these other European matches. And that is when exile becomes deadly. And oh, by the way, Samix has become as deadly and as clean in his mechanical play as any AD carry at this event. And he is like the tertiary carry on this team. This team is dangerous. And you put a mind like Sheepy behind the wheel of that weapon, the most underrated coach, probably in League of Legends, full stop. A brilliant mind who should have at least one coach of the split award by this point. And who is going to take this Unicorns of Love team and take the international buff that we have seen from them at moments like, I don't know, IEM San Jose, a moment that I think all TSM fans remember fondly. And they are going to take that same creativity, that same understanding of tempo, of map pressure, and squeeze the life out of any North American team that is arrogant enough to try to stem their stampede. The Unicorns of Love have come and they will not look back. And by the way, they're going to have the entire stadium on their side. North Americans will have to cover their headsets that should cancel out the noise because they will be so loud rooting for this team. There is no North American team outside of one that can claim that. And when those teams match up, well, we've seen that series before, so I'm not all that afraid of it. You talk about this international buff like it's a thing. How many world championships have the Unicorns of Love played at? How many mid-season invitational championships have they played at? They haven't played at any of those things because they've never won Europe. They've never been the team that was good enough to even win their own goddamn region. And you're trying to come at me and you're trying to tell me that they get some international buff that sure you pick something cheesy you pick something unseen before it's going to catch someone off guard i'll never take that away from them jungle tf was a genius thing it was wonderful to watch as a tsm fan it hurts but it was smart we never saw it coming and that's what makes them dangerous i can admit that but here's something else that stage overwhelms people when you get all those cheers around you it can be overwhelming and i think I think for a moment we saw that in Hamburg when they were in the EULCS finals against G2 a few months ago. I think the pressure of everyone wanting them to succeed got to them. And I think out of all the teams, they are the team that has the most to lose at this event. 
because they've never been on an international stage like this. It's never been mano a mano for the pride of Europe. IEM events are a joke. Everyone knows it. Everyone talks about them like a joke. We look at them and like, yeah, that's a fun little tournament. It's something we're not even doing in League of Legends anymore. That's how important they have been currently in the modern era of League of Legends. So let's not talk about some showing at two IEM events in San Jose, California. Let's not act like they matter. I've been in that stadium. I physically was there when TSM lost to them. Guess what? There wasn't 20, 30,000 fans sitting there cheering for them. There's like three. Let's not say that this was some great international experience that, by the way, only two players and their coach have even gotten. The other players, they're young. They still haven't been exposed to that international atmosphere, that vitriol that happens when you have, I don't know, 10,000 fans all screaming T-S-M. But before I get to that, you talk about Europe, you talk about this, this wealth of players, and oh, North America doesn't know how to grow them. Well, Europe let a gem get away. They let a diamond that was a little rough, needed a little polishing. But he walked away from Europe. And he came into the loving embrace of North America. And I'm talking about the artist formerly known as Incarnation, now known as Jensen. And the player that is by far the best player in the West statistically. A dominant laning force. A strength. A monster in teamfights when it comes to positioning his abilities and making picks. And doing all the tiny little things that a mid laner has to do to expand his impact from just a 1v1 scenario into a 5v5 fight. He is a master of champions of all styles and all, all different values. He can play assassins. He can play... You know, control mages, he can play just standard mages, he can roam, he can lane, he can do it all. And then you look at the rest of them. Sneaky, a player that has a ton of international experience. A player that has been a steadying presence for this roster since season three. Sure, is he one play style? Yeah. But it works for this team where you have a little bit more explosiveness in other positions. Smoothie, who might just be the best support in the West, has shown time and time again how he can set up his abilities in unique ways to catch opponents in awkward situations or force them into specific positions that Sneaky can take advantage of them. They are one of the best duo lanes in the West because of this. And then we look at the top side of the map. I, I'm first going to go to contracts because you go Walter. A lot of those kind of criticisms you have of uh, an Exile or Xerxes, it kind of seems like contracts would fit in there as well. And, and you're right. You're absolutely right. But contracts wasn't the one that issued a challenge. It was Xerxes. Xerxes was the one that tweeted at him and said, we'll see how rookies of the split match up against each other. He was the one that now has the pressure on himself to perform. Contracts can rely on the rest of his team. Unicorns of Love need Xerxes to perform in that early game. And if he gets shut down, if he doesn't explode like he normally does, it does put Unicorns of Love onto a slight back foot where Cloud9 doesn't have to rely on contracts going 4-0-2 to start a game. He can sit back and settle into his own rhythm and allow his studs in Jensen and Sneaky to provide the brunt of the force. And then the two-headed monster in the top lane. Impact and Ray have both shown they can both play both styles of champions. Now, granted, Impact is better at tanks, and Ray is much better at the carries, but you cannot just assume that when Ray comes in, he's going to just play Jarvan or Rumble or Renekton or Kled. 
you have to understand that he can also play a Shen. He could also play a Galio. And conversely, Impact can do all the same things. It is a dual threat monster that is a bear to deal with in pick and ban. Unicorns of Love don't have the experience. They certainly don't have the best player on the Rift, and maybe not even the best two players on the Rift. So when it comes down to it, Jensen and Cloud9, Jensen, the European turncoat, has my support. Well, first of all, I, I'm glad that the North Americans are so proud of, you know, one of the most toxic individuals historically, someone who was banned for DDoS attacks and being a toxic player in solo queue to such a significant extent. It took two years to unban him. Clearly, that is the type of player that North America should be proud of. By the way, a cast-off of Europe. It's not that Cloud9 was able to outbid. No one wanted him here. And this is the guy you get. And I'm, I'm glad you're proud of that. I'm glad that's something that North Americans, you know, that they believe in second chances. And, and I suppose that's fine. Um, I, I think that it's uh, very funny to me that you mentioned his ability to roam, because I think that is something that we have mentioned on this podcast many times. Jensen does not do very effectively. And while he may have done a little bit more of it in the last couple of weeks, I think that a couple of weeks does not give us enough of a sample size compared to his entire career until that point to say that that is something that he's capable of. And this two-headed monster of yours, it's, it's if it's a monster, it's a very cute monster. It's adorable that you would find a player with a 3.0 KDA in uh, a 2.4 KDA, or 2.6, excuse me. I'll give him, I've got to give him his fair dues, 2.6. Two top laners that have been bullied by most of the North American opponents that have been sent their way. Top laners where... As a Cloud9 fan, I, I mean, I see in our Discord, people are like, why is this guy coming in? Why aren't we building momentum off of these things? When are we supposed to be subbing these guys in? I don't think Cloud9 knows. And Contracts, he's getting a lot of buzz. And, you know, I shout out to him. I think he has improved. But his pathing, especially in the early game, is exploitable. I don't think he has the creativity to shake off the veteran presence that these European junglers are going to provide. And, you know, it's, it's finally time, Walter, to talk about the team that has the most to offer at this event, the team that does have the best player on the Rift, the team that has the trademark on League of Legends exceptionalism in the West. You can have your loud cheers and your obnoxious rants no matter whether you're in the game or not. But you know what I'd rather have? I'd rather have a world championship trophy because you can claim all you want that that doesn't matter, but the trophy is theirs. The skins are in the game, and this is a team that is the pinnacle of esports supremacy, and not just in this game. This is a brilliant organization. This is a brilliant set of players here. Uh, we now have Dylan Falco as the coach, a guy who the North Americans, they never found a way to make him work. They never found a way for this guy that we heard was a brilliant mind for all these years to thrive. And then suddenly he's thrown in Europe and he's probably the best coach. He and Sheepy going toe to toe in Europe right now. A brilliant mind. All of Europeans coaches are brilliant minds. I don't know if you've noticed this, but European, European teams have really figured out how to craft a genius game plan. And the thing about Fnatic is that they make it so easy. 
because they are so dominant in each individual lane that they can exert their will upon teams. You have Broxa, a jungler who has evolved in his time in the LCS, a jungler who is right now playing out of his mind. We're talking about an 11.3 KDA, 67.2% kill participation, 227 gold difference at 10 minutes. He is the one who is moving gold around the map and putting Fnatic as the best early game team attending this event. That comes down to him. And you know what? As soon as he gives that lead, who is he going to give it to? He can give it to Soaz, one, a, a brilliant laner, someone who has a great understanding of when to use his globals to achieve very successful ganks around the map. He could give it to Caps, who right now is the best mid laner in Europe, someone who is a dominant presence both in lane and in team fights. Unlike all of these other mid laners you're going to talk about, he doesn't have to sacrifice anything to be this major threat. He can do it all, and he has been able to alter to whatever his team needs. Let's not forget... If TSM for, uh, does not have, uh, you know, have a great solution to Aurelian Soul, which we've seen in the past they've struggled with, well, Caps knows how to play it with perfection in his eyes. And oh, by the way, I haven't even talked about the greatest player in the West right now, Reckless. Reckless is putting up numbers that are literally ungodly. It is unbelievable, unfathomable that a player could have 85 kills and 83 assists with only nine deaths. That's it. 85, nine, and 83. And how has he done it? He's done it by laning. He's done it in team fights. And he's done it by split pushing, put, exerting his will on the map. And the enemy, you can, you can throw whatever resources you want, send three or four people in his way. He's going to escape. He's too intelligent to make the mistakes that other teams punish. And while you're chasing him, the rest of his team is winning a skirmish that's getting them a dragon or a baron or whatever other objective they need to push their map forward. And if you do manage to find him in a team fight, and you can force Fnatic to face you five on five, this is a team with the greatest synergy in Western League of Legends right now, a team that we have never doubted how they play together since we got rid of Nico Lapico, a cancer in the, the European scene, to be sure. But ever since he has been gone and they have removed the blight on this team, they have dominated. They have been a force to be reckoned with, and they are a team right now that is playing the cleanest League of Legends outside of Korea. And I do not believe it is close. I believe the Fnatic are here to reclaim a throne that they have been searching for, that they have been working towards, that is rightfully theirs by all accounts, if we are to believe in the history and the prominence of this team. And Fnatic is going to be here to show every single one of you North Americans that as good as you may be, and as much as you can use the cast-offs that Europe no longer wants, they have an ability and a dedication and a brilliance on and off the rift that is unmatched and unparalleled. And that's something that I know 
will be North America's downfall as Europe reasserts themselves once more onto you unsuspecting, unprepared American fools at this event. So here's the thing. Which skin in the game is Broxus? Which skin in the game is Caps? Which which skin in the game is, is Reckless? Which skin in the game is Soaz's? Chase? Which one is Soaz's skin? Go ahead, tell me. Tell me. Oh, that's right, there is no skin in the game for him. You are bringing up something that happened nearly seven years ago that none of these players, not even this coach, none of this management staff, none of these people had any part of except the organization name, except this black and orange coloring that happens to be appearing on their t-shirt. There is no relevancy between a world championship that happened six years ago and the team that is currently playing. I will concede to you, they are playing exceptionally well, but what would you expect when they're playing against European teams? Come on! You could take Phoenix 1 and put them in Europe and they'd probably crush the competition, and I guess we'll see in a few days! That being said, Reckless isn't the first person to put up insane statistics when it comes to low deaths in KDA. We had a jungler in uh, in Season 3 in League of Legends uh, in North America. I think his name was Meteos, where he put up high kill, high assists, and low death numbers and had something like, I don't know, a 23.5 KDA or something ridiculous. He also didn't do it just on one champion, which it seems to be Reckless's calling card is, hey, get me Kennen, let's put Soaz on Shen, and that's pretty much the only playstyle we have. And those are your two most experienced players when it comes internationally. How many international games does Broxa have? How many international games does Caps have? How many international games, not at some random one IEM event where he was subbing for Kiwi Kid because he was at a goddamn wedding? And let's not forget, Jesus was trying to compete for a starting support spot and he wasn't good enough to beat Kiwi Kid. Kiwi Kid, the person you constantly make fun of me for for actually enjoying watching play. Kiwi Kid. This is not a team that scares me in any single regard. They are a linear, singular play style that revolves around one simple pick that can be banned out. And sure, you go, Walter, well, sure, he can just play Tristana that's coming in the meta. He can play Twitch. He can play all of these things. That one champion is not Kennen. It's not Tristana. It's not Twitch. It's Shen. It's so as is bread and butter of Shen. When he is not on Shen, he does not look great, especially in the laning phase, especially then in the teamfight phase where he only has one teleport to affect the map. That is the weakness in Fnatic's so-called strength, is they need the Shen. They need the ability to protect Reckless when he is off split pushing, when he is doing all of his Reckless things and exerting his will on the map. And yes, Caps is fine. Caps plays an okay Aurelian Soul. It's not Huey levels. And trust me, if TSM were scared of Aurelian Soul, I wonder how many times they played against CLG in the past week to prepare for this. No one else in Europe plays it. It's a pocket pick that Katz has brought out a couple of times. It's not going to match up against a team that literally practices against the guy who invented the goddamn champion. So let's step off of our high horse, especially when it comes to toxicity regarding incarnation that happened almost five years ago at this point, where we're talking about Caps, who barely a week in was already threatening players that they would never make an LCS team because he's an immature little prick. Let's not get on our high horse and talk about toxicity like that when your champion, when your final stage of European is praising a mid laner that acts just in the same way, except he didn't get caught in solo queue doing it. He got caught in some random Skype chat. And... 
to finalize the toxicity point. Goddamn freaking Soaz, which how that guy never got banned from anything, I'll never know. It must be the French in him. But moving on to what really, truly matters. Hey, North okay. America's can, can we get rid of some fake news here? Hope. Can we get rid of some fake Team news here? Solo mid. Team Solo mid. The team that at this event has the largest combined international game total out of any of them. When you just look at Bjergsen and Doublelift, the number of international games is staggering when you consider the fact that Reckless didn't play in Season 2 when there are a lot of international events. And Bjergsen and Doublelift have played against Soas a bunch of times. I don't think they're worried about them. I don't think they're worried about the famed Fnatic Deathbush that seems to have died much like Peke's career. Yeah, that's right. Peke used to be on Fnatic. He actually has one of those champion skins. Uh, it's top lane. I forget what it was. It doesn't really matter. Because when you want to talk about the team, the organization that made League of Legends, it wasn't Fnatic. It was T.S. Frickin' M. That is the chant that you hear in every arena across the world. It doesn't matter if it's two North American teams. It doesn't even matter if TSM is on the rift. You'll hear it in random LAS events that happen when they have their championship. You'll hear that TSM chant rise in the back. And maybe it's a meme, but it's also a way of life because they invented Bay Life. They invented League of Legends. They are the ones who put it on the map, no matter what Riot or anyone else to say it. Reggie and company are the guys who created League of Legends and built it into what it is today. But enough about history, enough about platitudes, let's talk about the actual team. Now, Hauntzer. Hauntzer was robbed of being the MVP last split by a Korean import. Fine, whatever. Who cares? But he has shown that he can play multiple styles. He can play any kind of champion in the top lane. While his teleport usage might not be perfect bar none, he is very intelligent of when it comes down to teleporting into lanes. They are probably the best team at setting up that five-minute bot lane tower dive with their entire team where they get the bot tower or the top tower if they decide to lane swap, and they get wherever objectives on that side of the map. Riff Herald or Baron, and then they use those objectives and they build these things up. You are not going to get to sit yourself and set up some crazy type of late game composition like Trick and G2 wants to do. If you're Unicorns of Love, I'd be really worried about skirmishing against them early game because guess what? TSM invented the let's fight when we all hit level 6 at Dragon. No, seriously, go back and watch season 2 when they played Nocturne, Shen, and Karthus. And then Fnatic. Oh, oh, Fnatic. The Shen teleport play? Really? That's your strategy? That's your bread and butter? Did you not just hear me two sentences ago when I said TSM created that freaking strategy? So Hauntzer's non-plus. He's going to beat Soaz. Soaz is not this god in lane. This has been the first split in like three years where he's shown any proficiency in lane on something not named Gangplank. And Gangplank's definitely not in the meta. Moving into the jungle, Svenskaren, he's been playing better as of late, as of all the North American junglers have. Broxa has no competitive experience. This guy has been on the rift for, I don't know, he played in the Season 3, Season 4 World Championships in Taiwan and almost got his team out of groups when he was suspended for three games. Whatever, I know you're going to bring that point up later. The bottom lane, Doublelift and Biofrost. Biofrost, still a young guy, but has shown so much potential. He's so exceptional when it comes to doing the same things I mentioned Smoothie for early on. And I think he just needs a little bit more fine seasoning. And you would have two of the best supports in the West in the same region. I don't care about Mithy. He gets caught out too much. Hillisong has a champion pool about as deep as, I don't know, a title pool. And then when I look at Jez's, again, this is a guy who couldn't beat out freaking Kiwi 
kid for like the fourth time on this episode. Double lift, you want to talk about greatest 80 carry in Western history? You're freaking looking at him. He was a support that got taught in the school of Chowster, converted to 80 carry, and became one of the best players the West has ever seen. Does he get caught out at times? Sure. But if there's anyone, anyone, not named TSM's mid laner that I'm about to talk about that I need to make a play for me to end a game, it's going to be double lift. He is a boss. He is Kyrie Irving. Sure, he'll have a couple of stupid turnovers and you'll shake your head why, but when you need him in an elimination game, he's going to drop 60 on your ass and you're going to go, oh, well, yeah, he's really, really good. And then Bjergsen. Oh, Bjergsen, 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 the LeBron of League of Legends. Because Faker, while he makes his players better, his players are already pretty talented. Bjergsen has literally turned Svenskeren and Hotzers into two of the best players in their position in the West single-handedly. He is willing to sacrifice experience and minions to make sure that the rest of his lanes can catch up and can withstand any type of early aggression, especially out of someone like Unicorns of Love. He is the facilitator for this team. And that comment I made about Double Lift, anybody that I want to make a play, well, this is the guy. If I ever needed a play to be made in a game of League of Legends and I couldn't pick Faker, it's going to be Bjergsen. Bjergsen definitely needs to be considered as one of the best players in League of Legends, period. That is with a period when you're talking about them. I don't see anyone in Europe that can compete with him on that type of level. At the end of the day, Bay Life, baby. You know what? I, I, I will say this. I, I think it is adorable in a lot of ways that you want to talk up a jungler like Sven Skaren, who has literally one champion that he knows how to play. His Lee Sin is good, and that's why he's looked better in recent weeks. But if you take him off of Lee Sin... He has very little going for him. And when you look at the depth of champion pools that every European jungler is bringing, I feel like that's a concern. You know what else I think is a concern? Hanser, you talk about how he's going to win lane over Soaz. Hanser can't win lane versus whatever you North Americans call a top laner. He's negative 34 gold differential at 10 minutes, despite being on what should be a top-tier team. He can't win lane even when they're throwing resources at him so that he could pull it off. He's been bad this split. You were hung up, I think, on who you want Hanser to be versus who he is. And you know what? I can't think of a better way to describe Team Solo Mid because North Americans want to tout this team as this amazing organization, chant their name all of the time. But you know what? TSM chants are the closest that Team Solo Mid is ever going to get to any of these championships. Let's let's run down the list, shall we? How'd they do with MSI the split? Oh, right, they went four and six, and they fell out of the group stage. No one cares. By the way, let's look at the world, let's talk at the world championship in 2016. That was when they were supposed to be this top-tier team. Failed to get out of groups. But hey, really maybe you don't group. like that world championship. Really Go back group. to 2015. Failed to get out of groups. Bad one group. in five record, really 16th place. Really huh. It's almost like, oh, but it's okay. Let's look at the 2015 midseason invitational. One in four failed to get out of groups. So, no one cares. So, Walter, what tournament do they care about? If you're going to talk about international experience, all their international experience is bad because they're bad because they can't win the big one because when they're forced to fight an actual quality opponent, they can't hold up. They have not made it out of the group stage since 2014. Think about that. That's almost three years now 
where they have failed to make it out of the group stage at any major event. And you can write off MSI if you want, but you cannot write off the World Championship. TSM was the one seed in their group and failed to get out, and they were the only one seed that had that problem. And I want you to remember that. I want every TSM fan to remember that as much as you want to believe that you are these great heroes of the region, that you are the shining star that goes forward and proclaims the glory of North America, you are just like North Americans. You are all bark and no bite. And we are not afraid of TSM because you know what? We've played TSM and our teams can go so much further than TSM has ever gone. So you know what? You have your international experience. I'll take quality experience over a sequence, a history of failure, because that's what they've done. They have failed at every major international event in the last three years. So that is what TSM has to live with. But you know what? I, I, I know we have to get to these closing arguments here. And so I'm, I'm going to give you the floor, Walter. Last, last thoughts to put forward on this region that you, you feel a need to defend at this point. North America has been entirely disrespected. Granted, we're not as good as Korea. Nobody is. Let's be frank. None of the four power regions, none of the wildcard regions, no one's as good as Korea. Any one of us, sure, we can take a game, maybe two, maybe a series if we're lucky off of them any day and week. But at the end of the day, we are all we are all fighting for second place here. Um, and that's just not something America, it's not something that sits well in our gut. But we also understand here that you can't just shoot for the king right away. You know, you, you can't just go right after the big dog on campus. No, you got to work your way up. You got you to gotta fight the lower card. You got to... You know, train. You got to work harder than anybody else. And anytime you get knocked down, you're gonna get pick yourself right back up, and keep working harder and harder and harder. You know, you mock and you say, "Oh, these Europeans are castoffs. Oh, you guys don't train your own players." Yada yada yada. But America is the land of opportunity. This is a land of built on the backs of immigrants. This is a land where we take talented and exceptional people and give them a place to shine. And I think when you look at the players that we are bringing. To Riff Rivals, the Bjergsons, the Jensens, the, the Arrows, the Ryus, Fenskaren, Impact, Ray. You look at all these guys, we're giving them a chance to shine. You're looking at the young players that we're bringing, the Mike Youngs, the Biofrost, Contracts. We're giving them their opportunity to shine. We're giving them an opportunity to represent the red, white, and blue, and little Toronto Maple Leaf flag. Okay, that's what America is about. Europe has no sense of unity like that. You guys call yourself the European Union, but I don't know. I, no one in the United States is voting to leave the United States and successfully doing that, might I add. There is no infighting among all these different nationalities. We are Americans. And especially on this, the 4th of July, every single one of us all identify together. Team Liquid fan, Phoenix One fan, Envious, Dignitas, TSM, Cloud9, CLG, FlyQuest, all of us. We are all one united front. Because like I said at the beginning, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And America is as tough as they freaking come. So at the end of the day, 
sure. Maybe we, we might not be as talented as everyone else showing up. We might not be as aggressive in the early game. We might not have this imaginary pedigree of winning some title that meant nothing. Sure, I get all of that. But we got heart. We got a hardworking attitude. And at the end of the day, I believe in the three teams that we sent. I think they're going to put up their hardest. They're going to give Europe a run for their money, and we're being underestimated. And America the underdog is something that should never, ever happen. And if you don't like that, ask your good friends the Soviets how that turned out for them back at Lake Placid. You know what? I, I, I got to give you that, man. I, I, I will absolutely grant that North America is a region of, of hard workers. I'm not sure they're as unified as you were implying. I've read enough newspapers to know that that's not really the case especially right now but you know what let's let's go with that they they are a a region of opportunity as as you say you know what europe is europe is a region of excellence europe is a region that has consistently created some of the most creative most intelligent most interesting teams to come out in the west the europeans are the ones that set the meta. The Koreans master it, but the Europeans are the ones that decide it because they have an understanding of the game that is unmatched. They know how to find these little holes in everyone else's strategy and how to exploit that and how to bring that into their own game. And we have three incredibly intelligent teams. And, and you might say, the North America, you're all united under one flag, which isn't true, because Canada is a valuable nation. Well, another one of Britain's former colonies that has gone on to do quite well. And I am going to give more credit to Canada than the North American here is, which, what else but uh, an American would then come out and try to disrespect someone from his own part of the world, his own continent, because of his own arrogance. And that is the thing that will ultimately undo the North Americans. They can say that they're underdogs all the time. And, and you know what? It makes for a good headline. North Americans, underrated. But you know what? Reddit and social media have been dominated by North American fans for forever. We are tired as Europeans, as any region from hearing these TSM chants clogging our ears, plaguing our live events. Because you know what? There is no North American player or fan base that truly believes that they are not capable of winning at this event. They do not believe that they are the underdogs. They believe that they can take on anybody, that their mechanics, their individual skill is going to carry the day for them. That they will win these team fights, that's what they're counting on, to win those big fights and, and seal the day for themselves. But you know what? The Europeans will be the ones that dictate these battlegrounds. The Europeans will be the ones that make sure that the drafts go in their favor. The Europeans will be the ones that will take what makes Europe great. Because you're right, Europe is not one country. It is many countries, all of whom bring their own culture, their own background, their own beliefs and desires and upbringings and, and add that into something that becomes special. And you can say America 
is a melting pot. And that is true. And you do invite our immigrants in and, and you enjoy those players. We're happy for you. I'm, I'm glad that you felt the need to spend up and, and get some of these players from our region. But you know what? These European players, these multicultural teams are just as much of a melting pot. They have just as much uh, of a, a degree of, of different cultures coming together. And the difference is that these cultures unite for a common good. Because at the end of the day, they know that Europe is stronger together than they are apart. These North American teams, let's face it, they hate each other. TSM and Cloud9 hate each other. But every single one of these European teams wants nothing more than to see the European crown raised once more to add yet another trophy to our trophy case. And when Wednesday rolls around, they will start doing exactly that. So I believe, I believe this is time to find out from our lovely viewers and, and listeners at home what they think. They should go to the comment section, I'm sure, and share their thoughts on everything that we just said and decide once and for all whether it is the Europeans or North Americans that they believe is going to come to the forefront. Of course, if, if you would love to discuss with me the beauty and glory that comes with being a fan of European League of Legends, I am at Redshirt King. Walter, where can those who find themselves fascinated by the bloody but admittedly exciting North American play? You guys can find me at CDs underscore LOL. Uh, you know, Europeans, anytime you guys want to come over here, you know, like I said, we are a melting pot. We are a, you know, a, a land built on immigrants. So you guys are more than welcome to come over here, renounce your European citizenship, and, uh, and become Americans. Anytime. We'll welcome you with open arms, a whole bunch of hot dogs, and some really good beer. I'm not sure the U.S. is opening their arms to people from outside as much as they used to. But yeah, sure, maybe. But I guess we're going to have to see the games to find out. And we will see these games. And we will talk about them as well as Week Five's action next week. On, on Wednesday and Thursday, as we always do. So be sure to hit that subscribe button. And be sure to stay tuned to some lovely analysis next time around. So until then, goodbye. You can follow the Rough Drafts podcast on all your favorite social media sites. Twitter at Rough Drafts Pod, Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, YouTube.com backslash Rough Dress Podcast, as well as on iTunes by searching for the Rough Dress Podcast. The Rough Dress Podcast is supported by our lovely Patreons at patreon.com backslash Rough Dress Pod and by viewers like you. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.